Subscribe to NerdPod with Coach and K-Rock wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Two working stiffs that love comics, movies, games, and more bring their nerd conversation and observations to you. You're listening to Coach and K-Rock's NerdPod, where they give you their opinion on whatever they want. Hey, don't complain. You're listening to their show. Coach, K-Rock, take it away. Yo, man, what's going on? Hey, man, what's happening? Not a heck of a lot today, but had a good week. Saw Ant-Man yesterday, finally. Ant-Man, dude, I'm telling you, I that's, that's one of those movies, right? Like, I think about Pulp Fiction being mm-hmm. the first movie that I... I remember I watched it in my basement, didn't see it in the theater. Like, I, I don't know how old I was, 15, 16, when it came out. And I remember that movie sticking with me for a while, for obvious reasons, right? Nothing like that had ever been done before. But that's how I look at or, or view when it, a movie experience is when I leave the theater, you know, I got to process it and break it down. And when I'm processing it and breaking it down four days, five days, six days later, uh, in a positive way where I'm like, wow, man, did they make this right decision and that right decision? And that movie did it that for me. So from a week ago when we talked about me first seeing it to now, I'm really interested to hear your take on it because that's what it did for me all week. Like I thought about all the quantum realm. I thought about all of those things. Yeah, it's um, and we're going to. Have to start off with playing the the spoiler alarm. Turn away. We are going into a spoiler zone. I was really into the... um, I think it was the perfect post-movie after Infinity War. Timeline-wise, for me, it was really satisfying because it kind of saddled it. it. It was before Infinity War and then right after, or during, and then right after the events of the... The snap of the finger, right? Um, I th- I feel they they hit a home run again. No surprises there. I think this is a better Ant Man movie than the first one. Um, the characters grew. The suits got better with explanations behind it. You know the improvements versus the old suits. Um, the the quantum realm was interesting, and how they left it was just it. Talk about a uh, cliffhanger. <laughs> so not only did we get left with the cliffhanger from Infinity War, but we're also getting left one, a pretty big one here with Ant-Man and the Wasp, right? With Scott Lang being trapped in the quantum realm and Hank, um, Hope, and Janice all evaporating um, with the snap of the finger from Thanos. So he's stuck in the quantum realm. He did get out of it before in the first movie, so I'm assuming he going to get out of it again. And I think you had a pretty good take on it when I asked you about it yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that, um, we know that, uh, he was down there and, um, you know, they're, they're exploring what they can do, uh, with ghost and with, uh, you know, so my theory is that, um, you know, there may have been some stuff off screen that we did not see maybe. Um, but I think that it's, it's a strong possibility that, um, that Morpheus, <laughs> that's how I said it, how Mor- <laughs> Morpheus and ghost uh, find their way uh, to, to helping Scott get out of that or helping you get out of that bad situation. And um, and that may be uh, part of the franchise now. I mean, th- those are two really strong characters. Uh, I saw, I don't know, I just need to not read stuff online because I get really irritated. Uh, you know, people uh, knocking both of those characters, the Lawrence Fishburne character and the uh, and ghost, like... <laughs> 
<laughs> why were they knocking him? Why, I, why are people? I was just about to ask you, what do you think of those the, the casting for each of those I thought, uh, actors? I, and actors? yeah, man, I thought they were thought? fantastic. They, they, mm-hmm. uh, I, I felt like she was constantly looming, and that's what you want in a comic book. If you, and here's the thing, I think that entertainment writers and people who are critiquing these movies are movie people. They're not comic book people. So, and that's why it did seventy five million in the opening weekend and not one hundred and fifty million because this is a comic book movie. And and so characters like the the evil scientist, the or the the good scientist that blamed uh, somebody else for their shortcomings and then uh, tried to help somebody. That what a great arc, right? Like such mm-hmm. a perfect and it's a comic book storyline. So. Uh, they followed a comic book storyline here perfectly. So you keep your movie critics. That's fine. You do. I respect what you guys do. But uh, if you're judging this on a cinematic whatever uh, uh, or, or how a movie should flow, I'm looking at it how a comic book should flow. And they did perfect. So um, I, I, I still feel like they they maybe should not have put Janet on posters. Uh, I didn't want to say this last week. I, I, I think that. Uh, maybe Michelle Pfeiffer's people made her, you know, like she signed on. That was part of her package. She needed to be in promos. I mean, they're always trying to rise, the, raise their own star. But had they left her off the posters and we and, and it was just casting rumor or she was listed on IMDb, we know we'd eventually see her. Um, it left it anticlimactic like that 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 knew you she was going to be there somewhere at, right right at some phase and and how creatively they they put her and Scott together was great and uh but but I, what we knew she was going to come out we knew what outfit she'd have at the you know what I mean so uh that did take away I, ultimately bad decision to do that but overall it didn't hurt anything I agree 100 I we called that out two or three shows ago about the posters being potential spoilers and I felt they were. It was not when, when she when Janet came on screen, she was still shrouded with the uh, the cloak or whatever. Right. And but sitting in the theater, you knew exactly who that was going to be, right? So the surprise wasn't there for me, which it would have been a great surprise. Right. It would have been. You know, um, and the posters, if they wanted to use Pfeiffer's likeness or put her in the posters, it could have been simple. Don't put her in as the Wasp, or right. don't make her look like she survived. Put her in as the younger version, right? The the, the callback. So, yeah, because we did have a flashback version of her. So there was other ways they could have done it without spoiling what was going to happen in the movie. I did want to bring up there was something like that was going on in my head, and, like towards the very end um, during the, cli- the the scene that was very basically the climax of the scene. There was this tension that I had in me watching this movie the entire time. Knowing the timeline of this in the Marvel universe, right, was during the time that Thanos was coming. So, at, I don't know if you had the same tension, but I was waiting for that. Like when Hank was rescuing Janet, I was like, "Oh my God, what if this is the point where the snap comes and they get stuck there?" So this was like a tension for me. It, it's, it's brilliant. It really everything is. Everything lives together. So I was just waiting for it. Like every time, like when he was reunited with his daughter. I was waiting for it. It was just, you knew it was coming. You just, it was kind of gut-wrenching waiting for it to happen. Right. No, and and I agree, man. And and they had a lot of, and that was some criticism that I saw was that, you know, uh, you they only have this small period of time to get Jan, Janet out of the quantum realm. And, you know, that, that, that it was an easy plot fix to institute a time uh, crunch, right? And 
that again is if, if you don't lean in and embrace the, the, the fact that you're in a comic book movie, you can find 10 million of those things that mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, to fix plot holes. This isn't a, 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 a scre- an adapted screenplay. It's a comic book movie. So uh, and the same thing. So those two time things at the end of that movie were entirely racking my nerves right like exactly what you just said the the finger snap can come at any minute and the fact that the the quantum realm was closing you just did not ever know when it was and and i really did think that it was going to come at a more inopportune time falling in line with uh just making the avengers 4 so much stronger and so much you know had they uh pulled the plug uh, a little sooner but they still do have some urgency with um with Scott in the quantum realm right now after the snap. So just fantastic storytelling and fantastic comic writing and can't just, uh, I I can't say enough. And again, it's just one of those things, man. It's Marvel is playing quantum chess (laughs) while everyone's playing like dinosaur checkers. It's, it's crazy. It is. It continues on. And so you mentioned something in that run where they they showed a young Janet. I just want to add this on is that we heard this week uh, from Marvel Studios that uh, both um, Agent Coulson and Nick Fury in the Captain Marvel movie will be played with that same uh, motion capture younging down that we've seen in Robert Downey Jr. in um, mm-hmm. in Michael Douglas. So it's Carrie Fisher, Carrie Fisher, and right, right? It, it, exactly. So Rose, for the for the first Rose. time ever, right, we're going to see uh, a full length. Though this isn't a ten second clip of a younger version through the entire movie. Agent Coulson and Nick Fury will be in their younger version. So this so, is uh, unprecedented for any movie studio. Unprecedented, certainly for Marvel for the first time ever we're going to see the younger likeness of two actors played through an entire movie luckily for for Disney and Marvel both um, Phil Coulson and uh, Samuel L. Jackson Nick Fury they both look relatively young for their age so it shouldn't be that big of a stretch in my opinion Uh, I mean Samuel L. Jackson looks pretty much the way he did back when he was in Coming to America (laughs) Yeah, he doesn't look all. You're right. He, <laughs> he doesn't, doesn't age. No, he's he is sort of ageless. But uh, I think again, when we're talking about leaning into your strengths, I think that uh, Marvel will Marvel will want to absolutely showcase the fact that they're able to young somebody down. So whether they do that in clothing, in voice pattern, in something, it will be very noticeable that Agent Coulson and uh, Nick Fury are their younger version. I'm sure Sam L will have two eyes. I'm sure that, you know, we may even get an origin of how he loses that eye. Uh, so it's uh, brilliant and amazing. And what this boils down to is Marvel leaning in and taking ownership of something. And uh, what the point I think is, is give credit to Andy Serkis, right? I mean, uh, to master motion capture, uh, when we look back, I think, and we we think about exactly where uh, the start of true motion capture genius was, uh, the first level of that, the Beatles of that, is Andy Serkis. And so, Andy Serkis in Two Towers, which is the second movie, The Lord of the Rings, is where we first saw his take on the character Gollum. Um, and we've never, before that point, seen a motion capture that was that emotive 
right? Yeah. So I, I, you saw that he, he can not only act, we saw that in Black Panther, right? Like we saw his ability to go in and own a scene, but, uh, we, you're right. I mean, Gollum was, that was it. And moving forward, then it's Caesar. And then it's, uh, and so when you have King that Kong, King right? Kong, right? Yeah. And, and when you work at, when you have that strength to work on, it's incredible, man. Like that, you can build off a performance like that, and uh, just incredible. I, I, he's I, the master. He really he's is the master. Yeah, uh, his work in Star Wars was incredible. Um, so yeah, I, Disney, if they're they're investing in this, we'll call it the Fountain of Youth effect. Um, good for them because it, it's looking really, really good, really I, promising. Yeah, they're doubling down on it, which yeah. I love. I love the fact that they're doubling down. You I know? think if you're um, – Michelle Pfeiffer is a perfect example. I mean, she's still an incredibly attractive woman, right? Yep. She's very uh, healthy looking. She She's not old is what I'm trying to say. Um, but to see her be able to act in what she looked like back in Scarface days was pretty cool. <laughs> Right, I know she looked great. Uh, they did yeah. a fantastic job. They really so did, as so. as an actor, I'd look at that and be like, that'd be kind of fun to, to be able to use my abilities that I've I've honed for the last 20, 30 years, and go back to what I looked like back when I was starting out and put out a performance with that look, but with my chops from today. Pretty neat. Yeah, I was super impressed, and I. I can't wait for more, right? Like, I, I can't mm-hmm. wait to see all of them in um, in that setting, whether they all make it over to uh, in Avengers 4, I'm not sure. But uh, no matter what, I think it's it's going to be... A, a, the stories get stronger and stronger, and you say, how can they keep doing it? How can they keep getting original? Well, guess what? How they do it is taking Agent Coulson and, and uh, Nick Fury and making them motion capture and making them young. That's how they mm-hmm. keep it going. That's how they. That's how Phase Four goes. And the more shocking and the more. And here's the thing: the average fan, you know, our fans are going to know about it going in, and it's going to be exciting. But the average fan, the people that are going to get that movie to another two billion, uh, that those people are not going to know that they're aging those people down and that's where they get their base from and it's really impressive to watch man we're we're in the golden age for sure i heard someone call it the platinum age yeah even better right i like that i like Uh, that i forgot where i heard that from so and you know what's funny is i I would just this question just popped in my head and i know we're going long on this um but could they have potentially chances are he wouldn't have wanted to have done it but could Disney and Lucasfilm had enlisted Harrison Ford to do this for oh, Solo wow. or a different version of Solo, whether that's a, a later staged Han Solo? Do you think <sighs> they could have accomplished that? I, I think that I think that this is going to be a big step towards that, right? I think that they could have. I mean, they clearly did it with Carrie Fisher. Could they do it in a small in small doses? Yes. I mean, Harrison Ford's going to be 81 years old, they said, when when the... New Indy comes out? When, yeah, Indy 5, 6, whatever, Indy, Indy five. comes out, yeah. Um, exactly. So, I don't know. I don't know if they can... I think they, maybe they can... I, I think this, like I said, this is going to be a huge step 
to figure that out. And here's mm-hmm. the thing. I think that the reason why Han Solo is dead today is because Harrison Ford just did not want to play him anymore. I think he wanted him killed off in the original trilogy. I think he has zero interest in coming back, uh, even as motion capture. I mean, I guess if they back up the money truck and just th- start throwing money at him, maybe. <laughs> But because uh, he's not shy to say he likes to make money when he makes movies. So if, I think it's possible. But I think now we're going to see a whole lot more of that. A whole lot more. Cool. All and, right. Um, yeah, so like what else has happened in man? Uh, I know we have some big news to announce. I'll let you do that. Yeah, so uh, I think from the very beginning, we've talked about a lot of this stuff uh, that we're doing with Podacy uh, and Podacy Productions and the Podacy Network. Uh, We have so many ideas. I wish I could share them all with you. Uh, But an idea that we've been kicking around has been the idea of uh, Podacy Politics, which is going to be our first uh, platform outside of this show. Uh, And it's set to... uh, it's going to be a podcasting platform and network for local politicians. You know, the question I always had in my head was, why is it that we only see uh, candidates for governor and candidates for, um, you know, national offices, senator, congress, governor, lieutenant governor, when in my day-to-day life, local politics impacts me much more, whether or not a basketball court is going to be complete for my kids to play on it, or how much my tax, my house taxes is going to be is not dedicated by uh, the governor or the federal government or the president or my senator. It's going to be impacted by these town hall meetings and these town councilors and mayors and local district, Rhode Island district, uh, or, or any state across the union. So uh, I... I said we needed a platform for these people to showcase their platform, why they're running for office and be able to get it out to the world or get it out to their constituency uh, in a professional way that is really easy to digest and easy to understand. So um, we're certainly not looking to get rich off of policy politics. This is a a civics uh, exercise. first, Mm -hmm. but certainly there are production costs that go into it. So it is going to be a a pay-to-play platform. However, the main focus is a bipartisan platform to hear about what's happening in your community and and to be able to take action and vote for the person that that mostly lines up. Forever, we've only had to rely on uh, a snippet in the paper, maybe a press release or a photo with slug lines like honesty, integrity. I mean, that that, that stuff doesn't, uh, it doesn't tell the whole picture, right? It doesn't tell that a candidate for District 53 uh, worked for the state for 50 years, understands, understands that the financial flow of what it takes to run a town and this that he's going to vote this way on your taxes and this way on a senior center that speaks to me far more than honesty integrity loyalty like that it's not enough so that is policy politics in a nutshell it launches mm-hmm. tomorrow uh we have the website you can check it out at policy.com right now um and it's exciting it's exciting times and uh i myself uh k-rock and uh, our third stooge is uh, Keith Pfeiffer, Big Cinnamon. He is also going to be hosting and editing. So it's exciting times, and uh, mm-hmm. and we're launching. And and you can certainly add to it. Yeah, absolutely. I think the the biggest takeaway here is, uh, and like we've always maintained on NerdPod, this is not a political show. However, politics impact our lives greatly, and exactly what Coach was saying. Um, 
more often than not, when you uh, when you talk to your friends, whether or not you you fit in this category, you you think your vote doesn't count. Well, it does count, especially on these local elections. Yeah, I can get the cynicism on the national scale, but on the local, you need to understand who you're putting in positions that are going to make decisions that impact you day to day. Like, are they going to fix a sidewalk? Right. Are they going to upgrade a school? Are they going to cut that school budget? You need to know this stuff. So very unbiased, unfettered view. We're going to allow these uh, folks that are running for whether it's lectmen, councilmen's, uh, school committees. We're going to go after everybody to put their message out through policy politics that they can then share and will help them share to the that voting public that they're going after that they want to reach. And this is how they're going to do it. It's it's the way of the future. It's no doubt in my mind that this is going to be a game changer on the local government scene. Um, I'm tired, and I don't know everybody's tired on the national th- side of things. Hearing biased views, spin this, everything spun up in which way. Who cares? Let's just focus on the good stuff, and that's learning civics again, right? So, um, yeah, look forward to st- open tomorrow. And... Um, Podacy.com, that's P-O-D-D-E-S-Y.com. And we're going to be hosting politics on that until we have it peeled off in its own. But with 2018 already here and starting, we're going to keep it on the main page. So that's to keep it easy. Yeah, keeping it easy is is the key. And again, uh, this stuff does, as K-Rex said, it it matters. And um, you can share and and, discuss uh, all of these issues that impact your your day to day, and to this point, these elections have very much been who has the the best looking headshot or or a popularity contest of people that have been uh, in the town forever, right? Oh, I know that guy because I, you know, he was the quarterback in high school. It happens more than you think. So. Now, there may be a candidate that doesn't have a lot of money, that has not been in the town for their entire life and have a family name, that are now going to talk to you and tell you exactly how they feel and how they can impact your day. So uh, we, we, wanna, we want fair play for all. We want uh, fair and balanced, and that's what we're bringing. So mm-hmm. Monday's If you're the running day. for office, go to the com and you have a con- we have a contact section. Just fill out the information. Uh, someone from the team will be in touch with you very quickly and we'll get your needs covered and uh, figure out what the best platform is. And we will do the production, help you with the distribu- uh, distribution. We'll distribute it through policy networks and so on. So uh, that's exciting, man. It Good really job on is. that, by the way. We did oh. a lot of work went into it. Yeah, we sure did. And and uh, and though we did it quickly, we did it. Uh, uh, it, it took a lot of a lot of hard work and a lot of idea sharing. And that's what mm-hmm. you know, idea sharing is what uh, Podacy Networks is all about. And just um, as a, a a caveat before we move on, it, it, I want to say that some of the concepts and ideas that we're kicking around the the Podacy Network is. Uh, it's all across the platform. I mean, we're thinking about bringing um, some old favorite podcasts uh, back from the dead, uh, some sporting stuff. Uh, we're also going to take a deeper dive into some uh, of the, the history of music and the history of songs. And the, so, so there's a lot of uh, uh, interesting things that we're doing. So stick with Podacy. And I think uh, there's going to be something for everybody. And uh, if you're here with us now, it's going to be fun to follow the rise. That's right. Okay. 
Avengers, man. We're let's get back into nerd pod here. Uh, Avengers, <laughs> big, big, uh, um, massive, right? Yeah, they, they surpassed two billion dollars. Like, talk about an accomplishment, huge accomplishment, big accomplishment. Wow. And you know, it, it's fourth, never been done. You know, whatever, only fourth film in history to do it. <laughs> right. I mean, that's think think about that. That's like uh, larger than the forty forty club or the five hundred hit club or the two thousand yards in a season club or or you know, to, just to compare it to athletics. I mean, I. And, and no, none of these other, uh, so the other four movies are Avatar, Titanic, uh, Force Awakens, um, and uh, uh, am I missing one? I think I am, right? Um, I'll look up the other one while we're, uh, Avatar, Titanic, no, that's it, right? They're the fourth to ever do it. So, um, I mean, Jurassic World couldn't do it. The original uh, Avengers didn't do it. Furious 7, one and a half billion, and Age of Ultron, 1.4. Uh, I mean that. What an exclusive club to be in. Um, it was it was over 18, um, 18 movies to get there, and a whole bunch of different characters. Really exciting, but uh, wow, right? Like uh, nobody deserves it more than Feige and the team, but still incredible. I didn't think it was going to happen. Right, um, 18, 19 movies to get here, man. It's it's a. We keep saying it. It's it's a lesson in patience. Um, perseverance, right, and just having a plan in place and don't listen to what other people say. It's just you have a plan, you have a mission, go follow that, you know, follow that plan, make adjustments when you have to. Uh, Feige never deviated once he figured this thing out. He understood the big play and never, ever rushed it, never rushed it. And I keep going, I keep picking on them, but and I, DC, if you're listening, and I doubt you are, but if you are, I really wish you had a a product that was equal to this, really equal. I watched Justice League again. I just, I want it to be good. I, I just, I like comics books. I love comic book movies. I want Justice League to be good. It's just a bad movie, man. I, I really, just I hate is. to say it. No, you're so, right. And, and, and here's the thing, and I, I and hate to pick on them too. I really do. It, it, because I want them to, to get it right. But here's the thing. Here's what you can do to fix this. What you can do to fix this is to just go hire the right person. I mean, you they just allowed Joe and Anthony Russo to go out and hire the writers from uh, Infinity War to join this production company. Now, they're not saying that they're done with uh, with Marvel, but what they but there is talent out there that can lead your universe and they refuse to do that. They tried to sneak Joss Whedon over after Marvel was done with him and they try just go. It just and if it's Nolan, right? Listen, if it's Nolan and that's what you need to do, stop the tape. Don't be afraid to press reset. And go sign Nolan. Give him whatever he wants. He's a creative guy. He's still going to want to go out and do his uh, Dunkirk movies, his Interstellar movies, his Inceptions. His, but go out and get him and lock him up. If he wants $500 million, give him $500 million. If he wants a billion, give him a billion. Because You'll guess get what? It back. <laughs> you will get it back tenfold. And if it's not him, if it's some young, if it's Josh Trank, if it's, it doesn't, if it's any of these amazing writers that we see, go get your leader. And it doesn't even has to be a Feige kind of guy. Go find the guy that can take can lead your universe and and just take the what has worked and move it forward. Anything else, scrap it. The audience is smart enough to do it. And, and absolutely right. And just, just do it. 
they, they are the victim of what happens when you try to rush, right, to catch up to what the other people are doing. Playing defense has never been a good strategy unless you're in the NFL and you have a great linebacking core, right? Like, it's you cannot play defense like that. It's just not possible. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So, yeah, we, I, uh, uh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, sorry. Moving this along here, I, I was just uh, thinking about the Kevin Smith's uh, um, take on on um, the DC that he did a podcast again. It seems like he's getting picked up a lot. I don't know if you, you've noticed that too uh, by these other like post heart attacks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who, who are putting words in his mouth about how DC is terrible and he can fix DC. Like no, no. I I've heard that whole interview about him suggesting exactly what you had mentioned, right? Like hey, it would be, the continuity wouldn't would have been great if you kept. Um, Christian Bale and his Batman instead of Ben Affleck, and it turned to, into him uh, blasting Affleck, and that wasn't the case at all. In fact, he made sure to, to be very careful about coming off the wrong way. But I was thinking about him, and then it brought me into uh, what he's been up to, which is kind of interesting. Um, and I know you have a, a thoughts on Hollyweed, um, but it's kind of cool. Like it's a new, I guess, a show he did what a year, two years ago, and yeah. just got it into a place where he can share it with the public. I think it's really smart. Um, listen, I think that it's fine for people who I, I'm pro marijuana across the board, right? I think that <laughs> I really yeah. am, and I think okay. that that. Uh, and again, this isn't a political show, but my sense is that um, you know prohibition on a drug like this, or prohibition on a drug like uh, you know psilocybin, the the active ingredient in mushrooms. You know when we prohibit it and we put it in a schedule one class, it means that we can't research it. And that means we can't learn. It's it's schedule one essentially says it has no medical um, value at all. And I think we've already learned about CBD, CBD oil, um, the healing effects of marijuana and, uh, and psilocybin as well on mental, you know, people who have PTSD and all of these studies are happening right now. uh, And they're so difficult to do because of prohibition. I am very much all for moving that marijuana out of a Schedule One drug and uh, on a federal level so that uh, dispensaries and we can do research and we can tax it and make money. It just makes sense. With all of that said, I still get paranoid every time I smoke. Every time. So um, <laughs> uh, so it's not for me, right? But so, so I think the kind of humor that this show is is that you know Kevin over the last ten years or so has really become a, a big uh, a big stoner self proclaimed right so he likes to go out likes to get high it helps his creativity all those things and this is a showcase I mean you said it uh, it's it's clerks in a dispensary right medical dispensary in California so though I'm not super eager and excited so for that reason I'm not super excited to run out and watch this particular program. How do you, when you see Hollyweed, is it does it did it enter onto your list or not so much? I think it's a pure. It's nothing about uh, weed or smoking weed has anything will make me interested in watching anything. The only reason I want to check it out is to see what that what he's doing in terms of. I'm I'm always curious as to what he's got his hands in. So I do want to see it only for the aspect of the um, Rivet TV that he's part of. Now I don't know if that's on anyone's anyone's radar. It's only on my radar. I think your radar too is because Kevin Smith is working yeah. with them for Hollywood. So in that essence, I'm very interested. I'll watch the show. I'm going to follow it and see how it 
how this Rivet TV plays out. What do you know about them? Yeah, so, so so to dig in a little bit, um, when we uh, started Podacy Networks, I we looked around at a lot of different places to for hosting and for uh, sponsorship and our ability to get the message out there. And I came across, you know, obviously we live on Anchor. People know that. Uh, that's the home that we decided to pick for now. Um, but there was another platform called Patreon. Um, and and listen, shout out to all the Patreon guys. I think they're doing a wonderful thing where um, and it's something that we may investigate in the future. I mean, it's it's a possibility for sure, but it is a crowd sort crowdfunding for uh, for podcasters and for other ventures, even video. They they uh, Patreon uh, does this. So what essentially this um, Rivet TV did was take the exact model and say, why are we relying on radio stations, Or uh, is what Patreon said. And Rivet said, why are we relying on studios? We, we don't need to rely on studios to get great things made, especially for guys like Kevin Smith or Joe Rogan or uh, any of these that have, hot, like Billy Burr and mm-hmm. these massive followings. They can go out and get something made without Netflix's money, without HBO's money on Rivet TV. And they, so... Essentially, how it works is they create a pilot episode or some clip or snippet or put a concept out there to their fans and to the public. They ask them to choose how much they want to see it in monetary form and then ask them to share it to the rest of the world. So essentially, if uh, with Hollyweed, if we watch it and we love it, which I am going to watch it, it's not on the top of my list. I'll watch it for the same reason. I love Kev. And listen, he's speaking in a role. He hasn't done that since uh, whatever, uh, Out to Sea or whatever that, that Vancouver movie he did. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and so I I will watch him because he has a speaking role and I think it's great. But if we love it, we get to pick the donation amount and then they decide uh, with the amount of money that they raise to continue the series on. It's going to revolutionize, if successful, which I think it will be, it's going to revolutionize the way that we make and watch television shows and not have to rely on big studios telling us what's good. Agreed. Uh, we'll keep an eye on that. And as these, if once one platform takes off, guaranteed others will follow. But I do love that idea for creative people to come in, make a, make a pilot and crowdsource it. So make a good pilot and you'll raise a... You know, the money you need to produce, make a bad pilot, you won't get picked up. It's no different than if you went for, uh, went through a network like NBC or ABC or CBS or whatever. Uh, it'd be the same thing, right? You put a pilot up and they'd test it out, depending yeah, on how well it did. You'd either get your money or go back to the drawing board. And, and, but instead of, um, you know, facing market conditions and what's sellable or sponsorable, or do you have a, a huge name in it? This is this is cutting out the middleman and cutting out that executive. Uh, the the Jerry Seinfeld pitch to NBC comes to mind. Uh, the sh- the <laughs> yep. show about nothing, right? I I think uh, this skips over that bureaucracy, cuts out the red tape, and goes direct to the house and says, "Hey, are you in- are you into this?" Or are you not into this? So instead of them waiting for the ratings, the ratings come out first, right? I mean, that's a what a what a amazing idea. So uh, really, really exciting, and is going to compete with places like Netflix and HBO, who also popped up into the news this week with the Emmy nominations. Right, right. Big news there. Um, 
are we seeing the changing of the guards? Netflix beat out HBO on the uh, Emmy noms. I mean, is that crazy? And 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 I think that we've talked about this a little bit on a week to week basis. I think that uh, HBO is in rebuild. Uh, I, we've talked about that. Where you, mm-hmm. know, you you think about those times when boom, you got uh, the end of the Sopranos happening at the same time as the Wire is happening, at the same time as Oz is happening, at the same time as you know. I mean, you just had and you had Six Feet Under at that point. You had. I mean, these are staple shows that are in the top ten of shows of all time. Um, and then they seem to go away and rebuild. I think that's one piece of it. Um, what do you think on the, do you think that it's, uh, that HBO is in rebuild? I I do want to get um, into a second piece of it, but I want to hear your take on it. Okay. So yes, HBO is trying to rebuild. It's going to be harder and harder as these streaming services be like Netflix is what we're seeing here, uh, becomes way more competitive on content. So versus you, you're a producer, you're, you've created a great show idea or you're, you're shopping it around. You used to go to you know AMC, HBO, Showtime maybe, some of the, the main networks. And that was a hard that, – that's like getting to the major leagues of baseball, for example, right? That's very hard to do or the NFL. Well, now yeah. you can go not just to them – but now you have Amazon Prime, you have Netflix, you can do it your own way with a service like Rivet TV. Uh, you have a lot more options as a content creator to go out. So in that regard, it's going to be a lot harder for HBO to accumulate these shows, these quality shows that they once have without either throwing a lot of money at them, getting them, you know, these producers or these uh, show writers locked down on staff, whatever it takes, right, to get to make it. So you're going to be with HBO, whether you like it or not. Yeah, it's a lot harder now, man. It's just way. It's a and this is. It's one of those things. I think we're at a critical point where, at what po- at what time is there too many options? Yeah, right? we that's already see that point. in music. Um, that's how already that's happened, and we're living in a world where a lot of music is very, very average. Not even average. It's below average. It's it's really bad now, from hip hop to rock to country. All that music, it's just because everybody has an avenue to release, which as an artist is great, but as a consumer of, of that of that medium or of music, it's not so great because it's just you're, a lot of artists who you would never have heard before who produce average if best junk gets picked right. up, happens to can get fire. All of a sudden, we're pushing a terrible, terrible song on the radio that's getting popular that just lowers the bars for everybody, right? Oh, to, there's some great, great mashups out there of country songs. I'm going to pick on country for a second because it's the lowest hanging fruit, literally. <laughs> there's a mashup which takes basically five, six number one songs of country artists ranging from like Toby Keith to, and you name them, you just go down the list, Jason Aldean, all the way down the list. Yeah. And they put these songs together and this person's mashed them. It sounds like all these six different songs in one place sound like the same song. In fact, they weaved it together so it's like one six-minute song. It's that homogenous. It's right. it's boring. So that's the only concern I see where I don't think we're there yet on the um, for movies and, and shows. But it certainly could get there where everybody with a camera can create a movie, which they could do already. But it's almost like that if you don't have a really stringent quality check, which is, again, one thing we're about here in NerdPod and in Podacy is quality. If you don't have a good quality check, a lot of just 
average shows are going to get put out. Maybe one catches fire and then the bar lowers for everybody. So that's yeah, and, what my concern is. I think that that has, has begun to happen. And, and here's the other, here's the other thing when we speak directly, directly about this, um, and whether you want to say HBO or Showtime or anybody, uh, and Netflix, my concern is, is similar in quality to yours. However, the other piece of this that nobody is really seems to be talking about, uh, especially when Emmy nominations come out is that, you know, listen, if, if I have $10, right, and you have $20, you having double is a kind of, it's a big deal if we're going out to eat, right? If, if I have 10 and you have 20 and we've got to go out to eat, you have the ability to get a drink, uh, you know, a nice mixed drink with your dinner and I don't because it's $10. Well, when you do that over literally hundreds of millions and billions of dollars, that is not a drink difference. That is a world difference. And so when Netflix comes out and is literally sp- outspending HBO by 2x, in the we're talking about 400 million versus 800 million on quality content for just in the in the categories that apply to to the Emmys not counting movies right not counting Oscar noms the game changes and so that says to me a is it time for a new kind of award show it, it, because it is and the question is and here's how I'll ask it to you directly mm-hmm. is is Netflix competing with HBO or is Netflix competing with television? It's television. I think it's they're 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 not focused on HBO. They're clearly not cuz the way you just described it in my head all I can think of is they're trying to replace content on television. Right? So, they they so, want to own everything that they could possibly own that fits Netflix's um um Netflix's uh image, right? So by having all this content, they can sell more subscriptions because, well, no, you don't need an Amazon Prime. You don't need a TV to s- subscription. You don't need to be with HBO because, hey, Netflix, we have everything from A- A-level a movies like uh, right now they have Avengers and so on and all the way down to you know D-rated movies. Like we have it all, right? So that's the and, – and, and that's so that – so are we really comparing at this point? And, and so – and will HBO, Showtime, Hulu, Netflix, when that level of spending is happening, they just signed Ryan Murphy, the creator of Glee and Scream Queens, uh, to a $400 million contract. $400 million for him to direct series. They just locked up Jason Bateman for $300 million for Arrested Development and um, – uh, Ozark. His other show, Ozark. Right, Ozark. So uh, it's we're not comparing apples to apples. And I think at some point, uh, somebody needs to point this out, right? Like you're not playing in the same field. You're competing with television and not competing with HBO or Hulu or, uh, or whatever. However, like you said, um, at some point there's a balance between are we in the platinum age? Are we really getting what we're actually, you know, are we getting the best of the best? Does this flush out the best of the best? I think to some extent it does because with this no level of noise, the the cream rises. I mean, it, when you hear something like Wild Wild Country or uh, The Staircase or Making a Murderer or... Mm-hmm. Uh, true or Crime Series. True Crime Series or um, even Stranger Things and Orange is the New Black. And, you know, those are 
when people tell me six, seven, eight times, you have to watch Making... I mean, Making a Murderer was like a cultural phenomenon. I mean, it was everywhere. I was talking about in every single person in every office across America on Monday morning or whatever day. And that's the thing. It's not Monday morning, right? It's It could be a Tuesday morning. It could be a... But then once it grabs hold, then it becomes a focal point in our culture. And that's different from what it's been for the last 60 years, right? So yeah. uh, that ton of content may be drilling down to truly what the best of the best is, but at some point, too much will lower that bar that you're talking about. So yeah, that's my it, nerves. It, it, it's it's all really interesting, and it's going to be fun to watch. But um, you know, Hollywood has had a stronghold on the way things go out for so 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 many years that uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that transitions over when the power get gets dispersed over multiple people. Right. Like you can't get brought into that inner circle anymore because it's too big. So speaking of speaking of Hollywood. Right. Yep. So I <laughs> crazy, crazy enough. Um, I wake up in the morning and, you know, it's generally when I do my show prep nice early in the morning, right before I leave for work. And I go through my publications and I get my news alerts and. You know, I'm lucky to have like a couple of insider people that um, work, you know, whether it's critics or whatever that I do get some information from. And I woke up and got a text from an unnamed person that said, go look at the nobody's paying attention. Uh, everybody's thinking about superheroes and dinosaurs. Nobody's paying attention <laughs> to um, to Tarantino right now. Go check out that. Go look at the full the full cast. I was like, okay, uh, like let me see this. How it's f- flown under everybody's radar, I have no idea. What's but the name of the project? Name of the project is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh yeah, okay. All right, and they say it's set around, not directly related to, but set around the Manson murders. Ooh. Right, and and so uh, directed by Quentin Tarantino. I do believe production is by some names that we'd recognize, but I don't want to say. Uh, without 100% certainty who, who is in production. I heard Scorsese is involved, uh, but I haven't verified uh, online whether that's true or not. But I'm going to run you through this cast, right? Okay, ready. Leonardo DiCaprio. Nice. Brad Pitt. Margot Robbie. Wow, Bert, okay. Burt Burt Re- Reynolds. Kurt Russell. Timothy Oliphant. Damian Lewis. Dakota Fanning. Scoot McNary. Al Pacino, and now throw in James Remar from Dexter and from The Warriors, right, of course. Martin Cove, uh, who is uh, Sensei. Um, John Kreese from uh, the Karate Kid series and now upcoming in uh, uh, Cobra Kai. Uh, and that's it. And and so I, I, just that, think about the words I just said. Try to wrap your head around that's that cast. That's a huge cast. I, I'm just pulling it up now, and there's there's some more you haven't even mentioned. Right? I mean, <laughs> there's I, more. I, 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 so Tim who, Roth. I mean, th- th- yeah. Oh my goodness, Tim Roth. Yeah, Tim Roth. Uh, did you mention? Um, let's see, Tim Roth here. Wow. Um, God, this is going to be a sick movie, man. Damian Jeez. Lewis is in there, right? As like a as a side piece. Tim, Timothy Oliphant and Damian Lewis being thrown in there. 
in the likes of Brad Pitt, Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, Al Pacino, right? Mm-hmm. Like Dakota Fanning, who is uh, Luke Perry. <laughs> oh, I mean, look, look at what they're doing. And so, wow. for all of what you want to put, you want to put Bryce Dallas Howard and Chris Pratt together. Wonderful ke- uh, chemistry, great whatever. Uh, the Avengers. You say, how could you double down anymore with Chris Helmsworth and Robert Downey Jr., biggest actors of our of our generation? This is how you get ridiculous right like this is how you compete with that and i just uh, rather than moving it to the weekend geek a a, a a group that big a group that talented you could run that movie with any of those people as the lead and and it would be a successful tarantino movie at, at pick one pick this margot robbie to legendary <laughs> legendary and oh. worth noting so I, I i wanted to throw it in there before we could geek so that people really get the full scope of what's happening here it's bananas it's crazy i'm, I'm just going through the this, this casting list is insane how do you pull this together I, I, Tarantino is Tarantino, right? And, yeah, and right. People have said that he's moving mediums after this. Like he said that he's done. You know, this was the last piece of uh, of his film that he wanted to get done. He's going to now be moving over to theater, maybe taking some of the characters that he's created in his own universe. Because you know, like some of those intertwined. We know that uh, Mr. Mr. Blonde and Vincent Vega were brothers, and there was a you know conversation about the Vega brothers uh, being a movie. Of Michael Madsen and John Travolta, they just got a little old for it because they both ultimately met their demise, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, spoiler alert: fifteen years later. But the yeah, so so I think that he has some staples in his universe that could carry over to theater. So I think that much like people like Daniel Craig run to J.J. Abrams to say, I really need you to put me in a Star Wars movie because I don't know if I'll ever have this opportunity again. I think actors are doing the same thing with Tarantino. Like This is one of the most legendary directors that we'll ever have in the history of film. If they haven't gotten in now, they're getting in. So Burt Reynolds is a, you know, that is what we talked about last week. Tarantino grabbing an A-list star from a different decade, bringing him back in. I'm sure his role is going to be pivotal in this and it's going to be really great. So it's so exciting, dude. Very exciting. That's a cool movie, man. Well, let's uh, move into it. We mentioned it. Week in Geek. It's time. So we love it. What do you have? Uh, I know you're following the court cases pretty closely. What, what yeah, do we have? What's so happening? The latest thing, not much news on that front. I mean, we heard that there is a shareholder from Foxy who levied a lawsuit, uh, an appeal uh, for the purchase of you know Disney of uh, the Fox Entertainment. I see that nothing more than that shareholder or that group of shareholders doing their due diligence to making sure that they're getting the absolute best deal that they possibly can for their, you know, for their ownership stakes. Not, I don't think there's much there to, to worry about this deal going forward. They'll be taken care of. What was more heard? interesting to me. Yeah, go ahead, please. Um, is the Department of Justice is appealing the court decision that is allowing that AT&T and Time Warner uh, acquisition. Personally, it's too late. Uh, it's already happened. I mean, things are already moving. You're already seeing the commercials out there. Uh, I think it's too late in the game. But what's interesting, it certainly is – this administration, for whatever reason, it has it really hard up against this AT&T and Time Warner merger, which, in my opinion, benefits this Disney-Fox uh, acquisition. And um, because this is – even though it's still going forward, even the judges are recommending like, you know, are you sure you want to do this appeal? Because it's, it's already far along in the process for this. Yeah. 
they're still going to do it. They're still going to tie up money. It's still going to t- bog down the timing, and this that'll just sour Fox on the Comcast deal even further. Uh, so I think this is a, a good thing for this deal to get done if you're on that side of things. Um, you know, As a fan, I do want to see... Full disclosure, I want to see Disney acquire Fox Entertainment for the only for the reason that I want to see them get those characters back under Marvel control, among some other properties, which I think they could do really well with. Um, but this the bigger picture, this ATT Time Warner appeal is probably not going to do much. I don't think it's going to change the, the court's decision. I just think it's going to further push Fox away from Comcast. Yeah, I I think that's fair. And so this administration, I mean, they the platform that uh, they ran on was that they they were going to break up um, large, you know, large companies. And he said that, you know, we're going to distribute the power and we're going to, you know, this was something that the core in the middle of the country where he got elected, he he told, um, you know, that that this was going to be part of his thing. So like you said, the judges are saying, uh, you know, whatever, that, 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 that it's not worth the appeal. But uh, because he's it, so it's a pander to the base. From what I see, is that he just doesn't want to do this anymore. Like he, he, he doesn't. He needs to continue to fight, uh, and he doesn't know what to do. Like even though it's far along in the process, he's going to do it anyway, but just because he doesn't know what else to do to stop it. So, um, do you have any timeline or any idea on when you think that this deal will will ink? Have you heard anything overall when expectations will be of a takeover? I think the closing everyone's hoping for is to end of this year uh, by early 2019. That's just some different varying places I've read that. I I don't have any indication that that's going to play out or not. Again, it's aside from the shareholder lawsuit, I don't see much getting in the way from Fox going forward with with Disney's plan for the acquisition. It's a great offer. Uh, has a tremendous amount of upside for Fox and Disney. Um, I don't see anything stopping it. I think it's due diligence at this point, making sure all the ducks are in a row, to use that saying. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't... If this stretches on beyond Q1 of you know quarter, first quarter uh, 2019, I'd be surprised. So that's good news, and we'll yeah. we'll keep we'll keep our eye on it for sure. Um, I have nothing to back that up other than that's my gut. Yeah, no, that's good, and and you've certainly been following it relatively closely. So um, I think that's a, a pretty fair assessment. So um, cool. yeah, what's what's next? Well, uh, we talked a little bit about the Emmys already, right? We did. I just want to call this 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 comedian out because whether you like him or not, or you, you, you watch a show or you don't watch a show. Saturday Night Live's Keenan Thompson has just gotten his first Emmy nomination, and he's been doing that show for a long time. What do you? What was it? It's a really years? long time. Yeah, it's it's insane. Yeah. And he is in every sketch. He's writing. He's doing it all. Um, there's hits and misses by by certainly there's hits hits or misses, but he's he can be one of the funniest people on the show. So I think it's really cool to see him get his Emmy nomination. Uh, I hope he's proud of that. He's certainly worked his his butt off to get there. So I thought that was pretty cool to see. It is cool, and and, the, and always the problem or his problem, I think. Um, you know, it for my for people that are my age or who had kids between the years of. Uh, 1994 and 2002, which I did, right? So three of them mm-hmm. in that time. Um, you know, Keenan and Kel 
was a massive show that the kids watched at uh, an enormous clip. I mean, they would binge watch this show and then the movie that that came out to follow. So um, essentially what you could compare this to on a much smaller scale is like taking Daniel Radcliffe and again, on a much smaller scale, and sticking him in a comedy series that is geared towards uh, adults in an entirely different market. The problem and why he hasn't gotten the respect is that people who had children in that, that in those years and in that time frame um, have typecasted him and see him one way, and that his, if he could go back, I'm sure, and get the Saturday Night Live job first, um, that has been, and, and even me, I can say that that's what my bias is. And, and has, have I laughed at him? Yes, but I will forever see him as, uh, Keenan. No, I'm sorry. As Cal, right? Um, yep. no, I'm, I'm sorry. As Keenan from Keenan and Cal. And, uh, so it's hard, but totally with you, mad respect. Uh, you get an M, you do something for that long. You make that many people laugh. W- my stupid typecast or anybody else's doesn't matter. Hats off to you. I hope you win. And uh, another thing I want to bring up is we talked about this, I think it was last episode, was Yvette Nicole Brown. Uh, she was going to be, she's she's hosting the Hall H at Comic-Con, right, for The Walking Dead. And we kind of started thinking about it uh, before, you know, in, in that show, like, well, that's cool. If that's going to happen, well, why wouldn't she also step into the Talking Dead duties Why Hardwick's Chris Hardwick's uh, situation is being worked out. Right. Well, fast forward a week. Looks like we were we were spot on. Um, Yvette Nicole Brown is taking over Talking Dead shows for the interim. Um, and all that reading, just if I was a betting man, I, and I'm not, I'd read into this as, we're, as, as an interim host, we're going to test you out, right? How yep. well do you do? I think she's going to knock it out of the park. Um, we definitely call this, so nice job there. Pat yourself on the back. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, it's, that's, that's funny. Um, she's going to be running it for both The uh, Walking Dead and Fear of the Walking Dead, from what I understand. So uh, Fear comes back in August, and The Walking Dead is back in October like it normally is. Um, but I'm really looking forward to it, man. I, Hardwick, personal stuff aside, I don't know. I, I'm not really looking reading into that at all. I haven't really checked into it. Yeah, I always found him as a good host. I liked him. I thought he was great. But his best shows for me were the ones where we had Yvette Nicole Brown. So whether or not he comes back, and if he does come back, maybe he takes one, she takes the other. I, I ex- I'm saying that because I fully expect her to hit a home run here. I think she's going to be a great add-on for these, not just Walking Dead, but if she's interested in doing like the other follow-up shows to like Preacher and Better Call Saul. Credit to AMC. They definitely put together a cool little brand, which I don't think they, they kind of... They thought they were going to get as much interest in it as they were, but these talking after the you know the show programs like Talking Dead and all those have certainly caught on, and they're entertaining and they're fun to watch. And especially as for nerd people like us, like they're doing what we do, right? It's it's the same thing we're yeah, talking about. I, I also they get I know, paid a ton right. of money. <laughs> they do, and so it's. Uh, I think it's really interesting. The other thing that I find really interesting is that they're also in rebuild, right? So they have Better Call Saul, but uh, think about their heyday, right? Imagine you know when they had uh, they had The Walking Dead, they mm-hmm. had um, Mad Men, Mad Men, and they had. Um, the uh, what were we just talking about? Breaking, oh, Bad. Breaking Bad, right? So those Breaking three Bad. running at the same exact time, 
absolutely wild, right? So they're going to find, even they had lesser shows like Turn and um, what's the Hell on Wheels, which was the, uh, you know, sort of post-Civil War show. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to come back and they're going to hit you in the eyes. And if if you're there, it's time and place for Yvette Nicole Brown because she could come out of this in in another meteoric rise of AMC. And I think it's the right thing. And I think that, uh, again, we don't need to talk more about uh, Hardwick. I'm sure he's got his, his things cut out for him and time will tell uh, whether he's guilty or not. But uh, we'll see, right? But but from Nick, Yvette Nicole Brown's standpoint, might be perfect time, perfect place to become yeah. a cultural icon. And I love her. I personally, I think she's one of the funniest women out there. Um, yeah. And she's, she, does, she does it in her way. Very... Innocent, like remember her character in Community. Like she was, uh, she was the single mom, right? She was kind of the mom figure of the group. Well, she was so sweet, but also just hilarious. Like what she would get into, and she's a good actress. She's got a, she's got great timing, um, and she's quick on her feet too. So she's going to do well. Um, I really, ex- I'm as excited, to, and I'm still into, f- especially Fear of the Walking Dead now. I'm super into that show, but I'm actually really excited to see, assuming that she's doing the post show. To see her um, her first few um, host host gigs for Talking Dead. Yeah, should be uh, really kind of exciting, and I'm looking forward to it too. It'll be uh, it'll be cool, and I'm watching AMC really really closely, um, and and I've been looking. You know, I looked really in depth um, on you know with Comic Con coming, what what's coming for TV, and I think that there's still some pieces to fall, but mm-hmm. we do know that we do know the movies that will be featured that we got a definitive list out of the Comic Con movies. Oh, we did. For okay. This week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What so, do we got? That's really cool. Um, and so The Conjuring spinoff is the uh, the first one. It's called The Nun. Oh, now, no way. Yeah, yeah. So that's, um, yeah, it's it's a, its own spinoff series. I'm sure that's it's going to. That's from gonna... The Nun from Conjuring Part 2, right? Yeah, I'm sorry. Yes, The Nun. Yeah, exactly. And um, just on that, that was the one that's such a freaky character to me. I will be there. <laughs> I'll see that movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, I haven't subscribed, even though um, you know that it was take. It took place. The original Conjuring took place. Like the story that it's based down on down the street from you, right down the street. I mean, to, to, to like <laughs> maybe a fifteen minute drive from where you I'm. You only get right now. how many witches do you have in your house? Yeah, just just two. Um, <laughs> but, uh, just kidding, honey. Um, so yeah, uh, it chapter two as uh, oh, well on the list. Yes. Right, so we'll get casting news. We'll get a panel. They have uh, the cast figured out for for it too. They do, yeah. So, um, so good. I oh know. My God, it's really excited. So we're gonna see the panel. We're gonna see uh, everything. So that's exciting, right? And mm-hmm. um, something that we talked about uh, not being excited about the Predator, um, which would be like whatever Predator Four. Um, I don't know how many they are now. I've I've seen some of the the newer because I think they they've been getting some feedback. They went back. Recut some trailers and put some new trailers out. It, it's and I'm a huge Predator fan. It it still is not carrying any water for me. Yeah, nothing. Um, and then here's the, the other one: is Teen Titans go to the movies mm-hmm. uh, again? Man, I just when when Marvel comes out with uh, Into the Spider Verse with Sony, right? Like, uh, which also is getting a panel. But uh, you know, look at the two things. Look at the comparison of the two. Spider-Man uh, into the Spider-Verse. Like I said, it's Quantum Chess versus Dinosaur Checkers. Teen Titans looks like every cartoon on Nickelodeon. Yep. It's just, it's not, yeah. So uh, I, I think enough said on that topic, but, but uh, so Glass, we know. 
This is the M. Night Shyamalan. Uh, how do you say his name? <laughs> Shyamalan. Yeah, M. M. Night Shyamalan. Ding dong. No, M. M. Night Shyamalan. Okay. And uh, so this is the glasses, the sequel of, or the part three of the trilogy, right? Uh, you have uh, Unbreakable. You've got, uh, what's the second one that just came out? Split. Split. And so this is the third of, of that trilogy, right? Glass? Yep. Glass, exactly. Split was great. And uh, it was, I think it was surprising because M. Night Shyamalan, uh, you know, something we haven't really talked about is that, you know, Mark Wahlberg movie uh, about the air chasing him around and uh, some other really bad uh, <laughs> movies. But Split came out to really critical rave review and I loved Unbreakable. So I'm excited. Uh, the three really strong characters, all three obviously coming back in Sam L. And um, so that's exciting, right? Uh, they're going to have their full panel. Um, Venom. Uh, you, uh, yeah, Venom looks so. I saw. I don't know if they've been doing some work post to the Venom look, uh, but in the latest screen uh, screenshots in the trailer, I saw it seems to be looking better. I don't know if that's me just trying to make it look better in my head, but it seems like the he's looking realer, if you will. It's less cartoony to me. Which so is going to be really hard to pull off of Venom. I, I mean, they, this is the second shot at him. The first shot was just n- no bueno. It was not good. This one, it looks like they're trying really hard to make it right. And um, so the the effects look good. And, I mean, you, you still have Tom Hardy, who's pretty bankable. But I don't, I don't know if the story's right. It's going to be tough to say until we see it, I think. Yeah, it is. I agree. Um, and then... Quickly, uh, Wonder Woman 84, Aquaman, Shazam, uh, you know, I mean, the it's... DC it's, trio. So Wonder Woman will have my money uh, because yeah. of the the strength of her first movie. Um, it was a two out of three act. They, they hit home runs on and the third act was just not good. So hopefully they fixed that and I'll have a complete movie. Aquaman for me is, I have zero interest. He is the least exciting superhero out there. But hey, so was Ant Man at one time. So agreed. <laughs> well, I'll I probably won't go see that one unless I'm reading some pretty incredible things like Wonder Woman. I had no interest in until I started hearing feedback from people who saw the movie. I'm like, okay, I think I gotta go check this out. Shazam! Yeah. I'd be honest, I know nothing about other than I I, I shared that screenshot of the the actor in the costume and I like the look of the costume is a very throwback like to the 70s spandex looking Shazam costume but I know nothing about this character like yeah, from the comics yeah meh I mean I I, uh, I know that Black Adam is uh, you know Dwayne Johnson was cast as Black Adam will not make an appearance in this Shazam movie which uh, I think matters in the overall scheme of things um, hmm, so I, I don't know it's just I think the concept is fun what's Shazam? Shazam is that supposed to be like a, a, a goofy take on superheroes or is it a serious one no so it's uh, all it is is essentially the Tom Hanks movie big but in um, the comic book form so this is okay. a you know the Shazam is a essentially an eight year old boy that turns or 12 year old boy that turns into a superhero no and way. so i had no idea 
Yep. So you have a younger version, a kid version of him, and then you'll have a, uh, you know, obviously Zachary Levi will be playing essentially the same Josh, Josh Baskin role from big where, you know, in the hijinks ensue when you have a, a an eight or nine or 10 year old in the body of a full, you know, superhuman or superhero that uh, is going to learn how to, you know, use his abilities and all that. It'll be. All right. So it, 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 the premise sounds fun to me. What do you know about, is this part of the the DC's attempt at a universe? Is this a complete standalone? Uh, I think it's, uh, yeah, I think, I think it remains to be seen. I, I'm not sure that it's fallen in with the justice league stuff. Um, it may, I don't know. I, I, I don't have a definitive answer for that. I think they don't either. I think it's, okay. it may be a, its own because I know black Adam will eventually tie in with this. And I've heard that the flash may tie into it. Well, the Ezra, whatever his name is, uh, that, that, that mm-hmm. could, run together so listen i think of the three i need to see wonder woman 84 just because my wife uh, is a massive wonder woman fan and um you know she didn't even really love the first one but uh we'll have to go see it because of that um aquaman i will not go see i'm sure of it i probably won't even watch it uh after the fact and shazam i mean it might be interesting enough this could be their their reset button i Mm -hmm. do like the idea of of the Rock playing uh, Black Adam, and I do like the idea of that. That so that if, if that universe spawns and sort of uh, branches out from there, that could be exciting. Um, and then and then uh, here's a, a no thanks. We already got one. I I just don't understand um, this Mowgli M O W G L I. Great cast, but it Cumberbatch is in it. I mean, if you look at the cast, it's it's got some really big names. But what I'm hearing is just a story from the Jungle Book. Um, and we right. just got it. Okay, we I, just, was, I was trying to picture what the heck, did, why do I know this? And that's why. Okay, yeah. it's a jungle. So, is it a sequel to the Jungle Book? I don't do think so. I, it's not the same production company. It's not the same. It doesn't, it just looks like it, it's a different take on it or so. I don't know. I, I need to look more into it. I don't know. Maybe we'll learn more at Comic-Con about it, but yeah. noth- nothing about it uh, to me other than the cast looks great. Um, nothing looks exciting to me, but I, I, I have a feeling that we're going to um, learn a lot more about it. Pulled it up on um, IMDb. So this is a, this is a Disney property, right? It, it, I mean, Jungle Book was for okay. as far as I know. So you got to assume this is as well. So because of who's tied to this, I'm, I'm getting a little more interested. Director is Andy Serkis, and Andy Serkis is in it as Baloo. Okay. All I mean, right. how do you, the casting looks pretty good. Yeah, casting looks fantastic. So I think... Uh, yeah, I think wow. we got to see what, what comes out of... Kate Blanchett, um, Benedict Cumberbatch, you mentioned Christian Bale. I mean, come on. This is a crazy Naomi casting. Naomi Harris. Uh, yeah, Eddie Marsan, who is from um, the Simon Pegg movies. He's right. A, he plays it. Yeah, he, he's a funny actor. So, okay. They got some talent tied to it. Oh, they certainly do. So, but I, but I'm just not so sure of the storyline. Like, why do yeah. we need a couple of those in a five year span? Makes no sense to me. What um, would be more interesting is if they took this idea and made it its own um, standalone property. But I get it. The Disney has a, you know, the Jungle Cruise. They have all this stuff they have to sell um, and property, and why not? <laughs> Yeah, and then so I agree. Um, we'll keep an eye on it for sure, but uh, weird, weird for me. Um, and then we've got uh, Fantastic Beasts, Lego Movie are both like, are just two that are sort of out there. Mm-hmm. They're going to do well. They are what they are. I don't even, 
I saw I'm I'm a I'm a Harry Potter that I do enjoy those movies. Um, so I saw the trailer yesterday at Ant Man and for the Fantastic Beasts two looked a lot better than I thought it was going to look. And I did I was I'm a fan of the first one of those, but this one looked pretty cool because they they like now they have Jude Law in it right and uh, Johnny Depp is going to have a bigger bigger uh, part. Again, I, I'll I'll be lined up to see that one. Yeah, so, so. interesting that that um, you know uh, J.K. Rowling talked about Dumbledore being gay mm-hmm. uh, when everybody thought that it wasn't going to be a big deal, right? Like it was it was like she threw it out there and <laughs> and it was like ah well the stories are already done well guess what the stories aren't done so uh, so that's interesting like an interesting concept see that on the big screen in a Warner Brothers Warner Brothers property but uh, we'll we'll see what happens i mean yeah it's they're all interesting right they're always interesting and then it's cool uh so that then we go on each end of the spectrum right with the last uh well the last two out of three on one hand you've got uh halloween a remake by all uh signs looks to be done exactly the right way and then on the completely other end of that spectrum you have bumblebee which is a Another property that we're so sick and tired of that seems to be completely the wrong way. So I know you have feelings on... uh, I think you feel as positively about Halloween as I feel negatively about Bumblebee. (laughs) So I think... uh, And and that's why I saved those last two for the end. So Halloween is... uh, We've already talked about this has been one I've been so excited for. And it while it's... I guess it's kind of a reboot but not really it's it's in every uh every sense of the, the term a true sequel to the original uh they're they're doing a very bold thing by hitting the reset button from the point that the 1978 halloween stops finishes and fast forward 40 years to today and nothing in between happened so right. that's pr- to me i'm like that's cool. I don't have to worry. It's it's kind of like what Disney did, right? When they bought Lucas uh, Lucasfilm, they they said none of this stuff is canon anymore, and they just chopped out a bunch of content. Well, this to me yeah, is the same yeah. type of move because it, it was confusing for a bit. If you're a Halloween fan, you know that they they started dabbling in black arts and and mystical stuff with the character Michael Myers, and it was just getting silly. I mean, Paul Rudd was in the last one, uh, uh, not the last one, but. Uh, last run of like you had the re- return revenge and the curse of and hey paul rudd was in that one right so that was yeah you were that was terrible anyway point is like all that stuff got confusing you had the the man in the boots and it's just a, it was just a, they were just throwing crap against the wall so this is cool i think this will help save it I, I carpenter is involved john carpenter is involved um and he's bought in he's not going to be Getting in the way like he was in the last ones in terms of criticizing the movies because he was it was an interview with him saying that he felt this time around I want to be a part of it versus just just talking bad about it so he's got skin in the game and I hope I hope I hope this is it for Halloween I really do I want to see them end the lore correctly so this could be it so I'm very excited there Bumblebee I did see the trailer yesterday in um, 
yeah, man, they had that one. Very, by the way, I think you had said this to me. Not a lot of good trailers leading into. No, no, it was. Uh, yeah, and I think again we're in that then that that holding pattern that time frame where before Comic Con. Yeah, before Comic Con, it's pre Comic Con, and everybody so, anything that's going to hit hard is, um, uh, you know, is is on hold until uh, Hall H. So let me say this. So Bowling, I know you're firm against it. Let, I'm going to ask you. We're going to take a second here. Transformers as a whole, fan or not a fan, going back to a childhood. Um, not a huge fan. Okay, but you didn't hate it. Like you'd play with the toys if you had. I did. I did. As a kid. Okay. Fast forward to when the whenever Transformers came out, the Michael Bay version uh, a few years ago. Yeah. What if instead of that movie, we got this movie, Bumblebee? Uh, Um. You had so, no, we had so, none of this other stuff that came out. Bumblebee was the first out. one. Bumblebee is the first. It's that that is brilliant, right? So you have, you know, whether you have Shia LaBeouf or and Megan Fox at that time when it came out. Because here's the thing: I thought that was great casting on both calls. Like Shia LaBeouf was very likable at that time. Mm-hmm. He was really he was Sam great Sam Witwicky, like perfect for that role. Per, and Megan Fox was, you know, absolutely the hottest young actress. Like, uh, yeah, you she know, was in terms of popularity and all that. Everything was turning to gold that she touched. Right, she was great, and so those two at that time, and even Michael Bay hadn't. Uh, I mean, Michael Bay had done the the uh, at that point had done the Bad Boys movie. I mean, there, there's there was uh, the stock was high all over the place. I think so. Uh, if they started with Bumblebee and and very similar to a Marvel universe, if they had a plan, absolutely, I would be bought in. Okay, because I I'm watching the the trailer, that's the thought that popped in my head. I'm like, this is the movie I probably wanted to see back when Transformers was released. Yep, that's there a really good point. So much um, going back to the original Transformers, I I still feel this way. And my friend uh, had a really close friend. He worked. He doesn't. He's not there anymore as a sound engineer for Hasbro. So he's part of this process of Transformers. I was like, hey man, I get it. He was obviously super pro Transformers and putting it all out there. Like, dude, I f- all I felt walking out of that movie is I need to buy a Camaro. It felt like a really long car mer- car commercial. Yep. I didn't get anything. I don't remember anything about the movie. I thought the, the Transformers looked terrible. Everything about it was just not what I wanted as a fan. Where when I watched the Bumblebee trailer yesterday, I was like, this is what I would have wanted to see. He looks like he did in the cartoon, right? Yep. So instead of like putting these newer versions of like a truck with flame decals on it, which is the most ridiculous thing ever, uh, as Optimus Prime... Uh, let's start simple. Start with Bumblebee as a VW bug, which is what he is supposed to be. <laughs> right, right. So, that's what he was, and I even owned that. So yeah, man, that's it's a really, really good point, and and might open my eyes to looking at it a little bit differently. I might see it now. I mean, only because it's like it had heart. It was like, you know what I mean. It it made me want to learn a little more about it and made me think a little more about it. Like this is probably the one that would have done it for me. Like yeah, same thing. Yeah. Oh, cool. So, so moving on, uh, just really wrapping this up. We talked about this last week, um, but Deadpool two, we know, is getting a panel, <laughs> um, but they actually have said the words um, that they have a surprise. So whether that's a clip, maybe it's that you remember back around episode three and four, we talked about a surprise cameo that Ryan Reynolds disappeared uh, into, and nobody knew about it. Um, we assumed that it may have been one of the cameos in that movie, but maybe it wasn't. Maybe it actually was um, a bigger cameo, and that's what the surprise is. Maybe it's a teaser for Deadpool 3, uh, but there is a surprise now it's attached to be, it. It's got to be, right? 
Yeah. It has to be. It can't be just a rehash of Deadpool 2. It has to be something like a, a new sequel. Who knows? Maybe he was coming out of retirement. <laughs> right. I mean, that I mean that would be a surprise. That right? would blow my head. <laughs> I, I mean, my, I'd be like, I, ha- I want that movie. A buddy no. cop movie between Wolverine and Deadpool. <laughs> I want that to happen yesterday. So, um, so, uh, moving, moving forward. Uh, so that's exciting. You know, the Emmys are coming. Uh, we'll watch those. It'll be a good time. Um, and then Comic-Con is coming as well. So that was sort of what dominated the, the new, that part of the news cycle this week. So mm-hmm. both things kind of cool. Uh, but it, it, bringing it back to, to right now, the today, uh, Mission Impossible Fallout is getting incredible reviews. It looks like it's going to win the week. But before I dive into that, I want to say that I do have breaking news that that's happening right now. It's projected that Hotel Transylvania 3 is going to smash Dwayne The Rock Johnson's skyscraper uh, by that's double. not a surprise. <laughs> not a surprise. San Andreas Part 2. <laughs> but not good. But not good. Not good for that sort of frame. Not, not good. Um, but anyway, uh, uh, Mission Impossible Fallout. Uh, so I heard the words, not only the greatest in the trilogy, but one of the greatest action movies of all time is what no- a number of... Uh, known critics are saying right now today okay um i haven't seen a mission impossible since i walked out of half of three um that was the last one i went to so i've been bought in since the beginning yeah um even like you did you like the second and third ones um not as much but i so uh, listen you connect to certain characters in certain movies for a reason right Mm -hmm. um my wife and i both uh, Jason Bourne and Mission Impossible. Um, it seems like that is the the genre that her and I can buy into, where she would go to a rom- romantic comedy every time, and I would go to a superhero movie every time, and sort of the middle ground for us has been uh, Bourne, Sherlock Holmes, and Mission Impossible. So did I love the second and third one? No. But uh, Rogue Nation or whatever that one that was set in Dubai was really, really good. Um, and so I didn't love him. I love Philip Seymour Hoffman. I love Carrie Russell. So uh, so three wasn't that horrible. And um, the girl from uh, Westworld is in the, the second one, I think. So they had good, strong acting, decent villains. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't have a terrible problem with those mm. uh, those two, two and three. I have a, a thing in my head where, remember the show 24? Yeah, of course. Kiefer Sutherland? There, I forget if it's season two or three, but there is the part where the daughter, and her name escapes me, uh, she's in the backwoods. Kim Bowers, yeah. Kim, Kim Bower, Kim. Yeah. She gets yeah. cornered by a mountain lion. Right. Like, quietly stood up, turned the TV off. And never watch twenty four again. <laughs> so yeah, there. That's in my head. There's 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 uh, the mountain lion. Uh, and for me, in part three, I forget what it was, but there was the mountain lion, and I walked away, and I couldn't go back to it. Are <laughs> could I? Let me ask you this: Could I go into? So Simon Pegg started with Rogue uh, Nation. Yeah. Could you go back right. and start from Rogue Nation without ever rewatching one, two, and three? A thousand percent, yes. Okay, um, so it's worth probably got, picking you, up and not going back through through the. Beat. It is. I'll do that. Yeah, I think they're yep. on uh, streaming somewhere. So, it I'm looking great, for a good great. movie this summer to watch, and maybe that's what I'll do. I'll pick up on Mission Impossible and see if I can get into them again. 
I think you can. And I think, you know, Alec Baldwin is playing the main, um, you know, a main sort of uh, head of CIA and just really, really good. And uh, as a matter of fact, I think we're going to go see that uh, tonight when my wife gets home from work. There you so go. That's uh, exciting, exciting time. So um, a, another quick casting news thing. Um, Robocop gets another movie. Um, yep. Ro- in, they're calling it Robocop Returns. And uh, it's going to be like 12 times. I know. Keeps returning. Keeps forgetting um, something and coming back in. And then coming back in to get it. I don't know. So <laughs> so here's the thing about about Neil Blomkamp, right? Um, it, District 9 was amazing, right? Like it was... It, it yeah, was what cast, a film. Right? Oh my I mean, God, it, yeah. It was casted perfectly. It was surprising. Nobody really expected it. Uh, it came out of nowhere. And it just seems like every two years... We get a movie, an action movie, a sci-fi movie that says it's good. Neil Blomkamp from District 9. Like you can only like District 9 is going to be a decade old at this point. You can't just keep going back to the to the well with this guy and just assume that it's going to be good because District 9 was good. He's done. I'm going to look him up and I'm going to say that he's got at least a couple of, of action movie failures in there. And so when you lead with that, right, like that's your exciting piece. So District 9, Asylum, which wasn't terrible. I, I didn't mind that one. Chappie. Yeah. Yeah. So terrible, and, right? Yeah. There's not that many, man. So but but Chappie is another wonderful example of that, right? Like um, where they put it out there and they're like, woohoo, we have the guy, Elysium 2, right? Like same thing. Those two movies – so I'm looking at the poster, the first thing it says is from the director of District 9. Right. So mm-hmm. that's what they did. And so it doesn't mean anything. It meant something for me on Elysium, but then I watched Elysium and it was garbage. And then uh, Chappie, garbage. And then I didn't even watch this Raka nonsense. But uh, again, from the director of District 9. So uh, I think like, bro, you're, you're honestly, you're, 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 you can't keep riding that wave and expecting people to jump through the hoop on this property that, okay. I mean, you mentioned it. It was an okay piece of, of film, but you know, this last reboot, but it's just the, and I said, I texted this to you. The only way that I'm in is with Carl Urban. Carl Urban is, he was an amazing, he was the guy that brought judge Dredd back to life. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, 100%. I said that too. Like judge Dredd is instantly. Right. And then he plays, uh, he plays Doc on um, in the Star Trek movies, right? Mm-hmm. Like um, he's and he, he was he was in, in Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> um, he his voice, his demeanor, his everything is RoboCop. So if they if they, in the and I think out of all the people, he was even in the Bourne movies as a great villain in the Bourne movies. I think Carl uh, Urban is wildly underrated and should have his own whatever. I love that guy, and mm-hmm. I think he's perfect for this role. If they find so, if they bring like James Caverell or anybody that's played Superman or anybody that's played like, or they, they get the casting wrong, which I say 99 out of a hundred percent chance they're going to get the casting wrong unless they get urban. I don't know how you feel about this, but that's where I'm at. Yeah. I didn't hate the remake they did a few years ago. Uh, I think it was 2014 maybe. Yeah. Um, I didn't hate it. I was kind of like, all right, I was see, Robocop has a special place to me. The movie, the original, yeah. Had, uh, as a young kid, had a surgery on my hand. I had to stay home for a couple of days. My dad went to the video store. Uh, 
and what did you want to rent? Well, RoboCop, because I'm a 13-year-old kid, and that's a rated R movie, so why not? My dad was like, sure. <laughs> so Yeah, why not? I yep. watched that, and I loved it. I absolutely, kind of one of those moments in my life that is really cemented me as a, a geek. I just love the story of RoboCop and became a huge fan of that character. Yep. So RoboCop is something I do enjoy. I think it's a fun, fun movie. <laughs> I enjoyed the remake. I thought it was, again, it captured a lot of the fun for me, uh, brought me back in some of the ways that they uh, you know, told the story, how they showed the the silver um, the suit versus the black suit and why. It, it was cool. I, I didn't I didn't hate it. It was cool. I'd, I'd watch it again. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. But RoboCop 2, back in the original, old days, 2 and 3, I, I thought they were terrible movies and I never watch them. I only liked the first one. I never yeah. cared for it, so I don't think this is something we really even need as a to, at all to see. And Neil Blanc can't make. Who knows? Maybe this is his thing, right? Nolan brought maybe. that back, man. So yeah. maybe, yeah. maybe this is his uh, calling. I just I don't feel know. like it, it's it may be, but um, it seems like they were trying to keep him in the in this realm of. You know, look, if you look at guys like uh, Francis Ford Coppola, you look like uh, at Quentin Tarantino, or you look at uh, even. Um, uh, what's his name? The Shining, uh, Stanley Kubrick. You look at so so you go from The Shining to um, to Full Metal Jacket to Eyes Wide Shut to I mean he, you know here's a notoriously brilliant but difficult director, um, but he, but he switched genres and he stu- you know so if you're gonna if you're gonna say from the director of something, um, you need it needs to be fantastic and when your last four are not fantastic and again they've all stayed along the genre of half man half machine half you know like this science it does just because you did it once successfully with a great well penned well um adapted script doesn't mean that you can do it again and so i don't know not gonna get my money this is gonna be what i you know what i call a cruise ship movie like uh, flatliners was one of those right like so if i'm if i'm if i've been flight or in a (laughs) yeah if i'm in the cruise ship and it's on in the cabin um because it'll be like when it's still in the theaters like so it's exciting when you see it because you feel like you're getting over on somebody because it's still in the theaters you're like oh my god this is on and you just sit there and watch it the same thing happened the last time i was on the cruise ship with flatliners i watched it because i was like ah this is still in the theaters and whatever it was a horrible movie but the the i think it's the same thing that's how i'll catch it if it's not there i'm not doing it because breaking news by the way france defeats croatia four to two in the world cup if you're into that thing Nice. There you go. Mm-hmm. Cool. Just breaking. Um, and then, uh, so yeah, I, I, bleh. I don't know, man. We got official news this week. We've talked about this little by little over the last however long, four or five episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, so Joaquin, Joaquin, Joaquin Phoenix, uh, the Joker movie is a lock and it is definitively an origin movie uh, i mean i think i said it best about solo it was a we don't need that origin um we don't need the joker's origin the thing that makes joker so special is he has no origin yep so I mean, why I, I, do we need to have this I, i'm not sure that much more needs to be said than what you just said because that is uh, whatever Right. So we can move on past that because I I don't think anything needs to be said more than that. But mm. in this project, 
right? So we know that it's happening. Okay, that that mm-hmm. is we know that you know. Forget the story; it doesn't need an origin. With that said, you've now got an interesting second layer that you've essentially hired a madman to play the the Joker. Right? This is a I guy. I like that, the casting. I think uh, he'd be a great Joker. But okay, I don't think that you're wrong. I think he would be a great Joker too. But this is better a, than a, who they have. A, oh, totally. But. This is an infamously difficult person, right? I mean, I think he's a wonderful actor. Uh, I loved him in She. I loved him in Gladiator. He does a lot of, uh, of of wonderful things, but he's a method actor that you know very much like Jim Carrey gets uh, super, super deep and super into the character, uh, which infamously people get a little crazy when they go into this character. You know, does he go off? Does he turn into? I'm not even going to say Leto because I don't believe Leto. I think that was all just a show and he was just sending dumb shit to his uh, co-stars because that's what you thought you did. But, I mean, Heath Ledger really, you know, took he, the, the role seriously. And, yeah, I mean, there's stories of him going, developing the makeup look. He went to, like, the CVS and bought makeup, did it himself and said, this is what it is. Well, he, yeah, he dove in. He Dove went in and deep Jim, into the character. Yeah, right. Jim Carrey went deep into um, Andy Kaufman. Right. Uh, so, I thought you were going to say the Riddler. Uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely not. Uh, great call though. But uh, yeah, into Man on the Moon. So I don't know. Um, does he go all Jim Carrey, and do we get that weird version of him to begin with? Here is an alarming thing: Francis McDormand turns down a role in this movie, right? And so when Francis McDormand says no to you, like, ugh, I don't know. And I just think the overall, then when we look at all of these things, and I do want you to answer that question that I just asked, right? Does he go all man on the moon? But to to, to close out my take, you've Mm -hmm. got a bad storyline, you've got a crazy actor, and you've got people like Francis McDormand saying no. This is like how to lose your tiny little base that you have left 101 to me. I think that this, you know, I I think this movie does $50 million in the opening weekend and is a massive disappointment. I I don't disagree with that. He does go all crazy into this movie. Just who he is. Rakeem Phoenix, he goes deep end style in his roles from Johnny Cash to, you know, the, yep. to whatever she, um, I don't see this being any different. Um, I just wish it wasn't a, an origin story. I think this is a huge mistake. Yeah. Huge mistake. We don't need the, what, you know, it's cool. Um, it, and again, if this is a, this is a DC call. So they, they have the ability to say, okay, we're not going to do that. Just, Go online and research. Um, we'll take the Heath Ledger. Go to that version of the Joker, and just start searching origin. And there's so much cool speculation out there. Like he Fan was uh, a, PS, a PTSD war vet. He was, you know, he was this. He was that. And there's all this great fan thought. That's part of why it's such a perfect number one casting. Number two, take on the character. And Nolan was smart enough to say, we're not going to give you any reveals as to who this guy is. Yep. I know. Awesome. And so that's the Joker I, that we want. That's what you want. <laughs> I agree. And so, but if you're going to do it, if you're really going to do this and you get Scorsese, right? Mm-hmm. And you get uh, DiCaprio or a guy like uh, like Joaquin Phoenix, 
Uh, I think, I mean, maybe here's here's the both ends of the spectrum. Either this falls under the this goes to Godfather, Godfather Two, Goodfellas, um, Icon, Apocalypse Now, Icon status movie. Mm-hmm. Um, either it does that, or it does exactly what we're predicting that it does. Because movies don't just do that. Even if you if you plan it out to be, even if you put the best of the best and you map it out and you do this, you do that. It just doesn't. It doesn't just happen through osmosis. So either it's the greatest ever or it's the worst ever. And I don't think any studio wants to be in that position. Right. I mean, it's um, I mean, this 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 character is so um, if I was making this movie for one, it wouldn't be if it was a prequel and it was an origin story. It would be in, made in a way that you would still would, by the end of the movie, would not understand what drives him, what motivates him, because that's that's the part of the Joker that's the best. You have there's no motivation other than yep. to create anarchy. So so how you know we don't need to understand where that came from. I don't, and, and part of it is this person just ex- exploded onto the scene, literally blowing stuff up. For no apparent reason than just to cause chaos. That's all his motivation is. We don't need to understand how he got there. No, nope. you ruin him. You're gonna. So, they're going to ruin this. And that, for DC to ruin their, great. Batman's my favorite hero. Joker, hands down, is my favorite villain from that side of the uh, the pond from DC. Yep. He stand, Joker stands on his own legs. Doesn't need any. He can have his own story. He can be the foil to Batman. It doesn't matter. I mean, there's so much, there's so many better uses to have an actor like Raheem Phoenix, who we know is going to, he's going to put his all into this and he's going to, whether it's good or bad, he's going to go all in and to put him in a position where he has to explain the motivation behind this character is just a mistake. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I don't see this being good. Nope. So you heard it here first. Um, so uh, also getting a uh, an origins, what it appears uh, to be an origins, Black Widow. Oh, about time. Uh, gets gets the nod, right? Uh, director Kate Shortland, she's Australian. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never really heard of her. I don't think you have either. No, it's just and it's fine. Um, it's kind of like you were just talking about, and you're finding yeah. someone who's going to earn their stripes, right, as a director. I'm excited. Uh, I've been looking forward to having someone explore the Black Widow and where she came from, other than the, the, the peaks behind the curtain. I mean, this is unlike the character we were just talking about with Joker. Her, there is motivation. There is a whole backstory. And I would like to see them give it a... I, they're never going to go full R rating, but get as close to that line as they can get with her. Because her, when she came into the Marvel Universe, she was very cutthroat. Right. Um, yeah. Iron Man 2 was yep. where we met her. And so, yeah, uh, direct, uh, short, cunning, um, just, yeah, that, that kind of character. So I was a little disappointed that um, Jennifer Lawrence did that Red Sparrow movie um, because I, I think we talked about it. I mean, yep. that that story was 100 percent Black Widow's origins. And so it was lifted. I don't know. Was it lifted I, from 
I, I mean, it feels like it. I, I don't think it was, but it, it uh, somebody read that and was motivated to change some things around. Um, so that, that I feel like that really takes away. I, I don't know why anybody's not saying that. I, it just it's the exact storyline. It's not that like there's really no significant changes. So wh- how did they let that happen? I don't. How they get under the radar? Yeah, I just don't. It, it feels it, like it, it's a licensing issue because yeah, I thought for that me, too. It's that direct. Yeah. This, it, it that is Black Widow's origin and. Well, how did that escape the you know the lawyers? Like, how did not that get through? Yeah, I don't know. And maybe money involved something, but uh, wildly disappointing. And now I think you've got to go in an entirely different direction. And and some of her origins have been discussed through the the through the the, the canon of, mm-hmm. of Marvel. So I, I I definitely. I mean, they've got my money. I think it's interesting. I think that we need more uh, movies like this for sure. A lot of red, red ink in the book, right? As Loki it, said. Oh, for sure, exactly. That so to much. me tells me this has got to. I mean, if they can get away with it, an R-rated Black Widow movie. <laughs> Right. I mean, oh, my goodness, that would be uh, incredible. And then you'll see maybe a, a younger downed uh, Clint Barton. And, and there's a lot of opportunity in there. But uh, I think that we're going to see. And if you go back and and look at any origin stories or anything regarding Black Widow, you're going to say that was that movie. And that, that's why it was so shocking to me. And mm-hmm. so uh, I, I think it's it's worth keeping an eye out. Uh, it's a long time coming, too. I mean, people have been asking for it since we saw her in um in Iron Man 2 that it, it's supposed to be coming. So it's one uh, of those patience things. I, I, I'm in my head trying to figure out why it's taken so long, but I, it, I think it's just, it's a, it's the long play. I think a, a too early, it would have been too expected. Like every, maybe. okay. Every Avengers getting a, a, their standalone. Um, yeah. That, that makes sense, man. You know what I mean? Uh, and yeah. now we're seeing some, some flashbacks with Captain Marvel and then maybe black widow works into that somehow. Yeah. You, that's you know the Lord better than I do. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it, it's not you know nothing lives um, that exists that way right now, but that doesn't mean that both two. I mean we saw it in um, you know uh, Infinity Gauntlet comics with uh, Hulk, uh, Planet Hulk. Uh, those were tied in really perfectly together with with the you know, with between Ragnarok and um, uh, in Infinity War. So uh, so speaking of. Uh, of finally, and it taking a really long time to do something that people wanted. This week, <laughs> um, we heard that uh, Zombieland Two finally, Zombieland Two, um, whole cast is coming, full cast. Oh. Everybody, Abigail Heck Breslin, yeah. Grown, Emma Stone, Jesse Eisenberg, Woody Harrelson, all in. Unfortunately, we won't get Bill Murray back because we know how, <laughs> Hold on. how his fate ended. Hold but, on, did did he get a, a cap in the head though? Yeah, I guess. Well, he did wasn't he? a. He yes, he did. They never. Sh- I don't remember them showing that. I, I don't know. I don't know. I guess. Yeah. I, I I'd have to go back and could and watch we get that. a could we get a zombie Bill Murray? I think we could. That would be actually kind of funny if we did. So, <laughs> um, so my thing is that I'm hoping that uh, you know for both Black Widow and for uh, Zombieland Two, that Samuel L. Jackson and Holly Hunter. Um, and, and Craig T. Nelson come out and apologize for it taking so long. Like, <laughs> just like the Incredibles, right? Like that, yep. that's just going to be the new thing moving forward is that Samuel L. Jackson, Holly Hunter and, and Craig T. Nelson come out and apologize for the, for a film sequel taking 13 years to make. <laughs> so, uh, I still, I'll never understand why they did that. I, I don't get it. Well, unless it's a uh, purpose on purpose, they don't, they wanted some time to go by. Without. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, um, but, time, but no time lapse. It just it's thirteen years later of living in the world. So yeah, so awesome. So I I I, 
in the zombie land, I mean, you know, everybody's got their own take on it, right? Like, uh, you see Santa Clarita Diet, and you see, uh, you know, the Romero uh, world, and, you know, Zombieland is one of my absolute favorite takes on that world of zombie. You know, it's the perfect uh, blend of humor, it's of... Um, relationships, the human condition, the zombie condition, really great. Uh, I, I'm so excited. I'm first in line on that one. Yeah, I'll be there. I love the, I love the, the original movie. It's so great. So cool. That's good news, man. Yeah, it's all good news. And that's what we got, man. Um, that, that's a wrap. It was kind of a, this is going to be a supersized version. Clearly we went, uh, uh, into hey, some we, deep stuff, but a great show. It's funny. Cause you remember, um, at the beginning of the week, we were like, God, we have nothing to talk about. It's going to be like a 20-minute show. <laughs> I know, because we feel like – and then the Comic-Con is going to need three shows. And um, so it, it's uh, – yeah, I'm glad that we were able to squeak it out. There's a lot of uh, you know deeper quality stuff this week as a lot that then opposed to we're going to hear a ton of little things about video games, about comic books, about movies and shows and networks. And all of that stuff is coming. It's like Christmas Day for me or Christmas week for me. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, this was a week where we were able to dive in and take a look. So uh, exciting week. We will be back for another supersized episode. Remember, go out. Listen, everybody usually knows somebody that's running for office uh, locally. Let them know, man. Tap them on the shoulder. Tell them to go to Podesy, P-O-D-D-E-S-Y.com, and and see what we're doing with Politico. Get it out there. We need your help. uh, So so shoot it out. Absolutely. Good set. So, yeah, we look forward to... uh this week, uh, we'll kick off the policy politics, send over your folks that you know that are running for office. Um, we'll help them personally. And uh, hey, man, that's all I got. That's it. All right, boys. Let's close it down. All right, boys. Let's close it down. Look at me, man. Can't you see that I'm dying? Look at you, man. Doing all your work. You have been listening to NerdPod with Coach and K-Rock from Podacy Entertainment. Be sure to follow Coach and K-Rock to stay up to date on all upcoming NerdPods and Podacy programs on Instagram, which you can find them at Podacy, that's P-O-D-D-E-S-Y, on Twitter, which is at NerdPodacy, which is N-E-R-D-P-O-D-D-E-S-Y, and Facebook, they're at NerdPod.